Welcome to the World Beyond the Tale, the Page Day American Gods podcast. I'm your host, James, and today we're reading page 59. Coin he had thrown into the grave earlier that day. There was still black dirt on it. I may have it put on a chain. It was very sweet of you. You're welcome. She turned then and looked at him with eyes that seemed both to see and not see him. I think there are several aspects of our marriage we're going to have to work on. Babes, he told her, you're dead. That's one of those aspects, obviously. She paused. Okay, she said, I'm going now. It will be better if I go. And naturally and easily, she turned and put her hands on Shadow's shoulders and went up on tiptoes to kiss him goodbye, as she had always kissed him goodbye. Awkwardly, he bent to kiss her on the cheek, but she moved her mouth as he did so and pushed her lips against his. Her breath smelled faintly of mothballs. Laura's tongue flickered into Shadow's mouth. It was cold and dry, and it tasted of cigarettes and bile. If Shadow had had any doubts as to whether his wife was dead or not, they ended then. He pulled back. I love you, she said simply. I'll be looking out for you. She walked over to the motel room door. There was a strange taste in his mouth. Get some sleep, puppy, she told him, and stay out of trouble. She opened the door to the hall. The fluorescent light in the hallway was not kind. Beneath it, Laura looked dead. But then, it did that to everyone. You could have asked me to stay the night, she said in her cold stone voice. I don't think I could, said Shadow. You will, hun, she said. Before all this is over, you will. She turned away from him and walked down the corridor. Shadow looked out of the doorway. The night clerk kept on reading his John Grisham novel and barely looked up as she walked past him. There was thick graveyard mud clinging to her shoes, and then she was gone. Shadow breathed out, a slow sigh. His heart was pounding arrhythmically in his chest. He walked across the hall and knocked on Wednesday's door. As he knocked, he got the weirdest notion that he was being... And that's our page. So, Laura is fresh from the grave, which I know is obvious, but it seems like a lot has happened since the funeral on page 50, uh, 46. Still, what, maybe 1 a.m. when Shadow woke to find Laura on the corner of his bed into the funeral was around 6.37? sun was going down. It could even have been earlier, I guess. She was only in the grave for about six hours, maybe a little more, a little less. Despite this, the coin is still somewhat covered in grave dirt. I mean, I guess it would have... It would have been covered in some dirt because he threw it in there, but at the same time... Eh, I don't know. To bring up the TV show again, the TV show shows it pretty much falling from the top of the dirt and kind of burning a hole through the coffin... So maybe it does the same thing in the book, we just don't learn about it. Laura starts discussing about working on their marriage, and Shadow's first issue is pretty reasonable, that she's dead. At the same time, Laura doesn't really see this as an insurmountable issue. And after that, the rest of the page has some pretty visceral reactions that start with ugh and go to a back-of-the-throat-about-to-vomit sound, and then in some serious dry heaves. I won't reenact them here for your benefit, though. The reason Laura's mouth tastes like mothballs is probably not the embalming process, which is what I thought it was, but more likely because of the cigarettes. Uh, mothballs and cigarette smoke both contain nephathylene? Nope, naphthalene. The exact amount found in ca- cigarette smoke 
is not presented anywhere that I could find, but any amount is probably too much. So don't suck on any car exhaust pipes either. On the previous page, I didn't note it, but Shadow thought that Laura looked beautiful in the lights of the hotel sign. Motel sign. I keep saying hotel. But the hall lights seem to produce the opposite effect. The narrator notes that fluorescent lights have a similar effect on everyone. And maybe it's because I used to work in enough retail jobs where I was under fluorescent lights all the time. I don't know that's a 100% true fact, but also there would have been different kinds of bulbs in 2000, so maybe those were especially good at making people look dead. I also briefly noted on the previous page Laura claimed to have otherworldly knowledge, and we haven't seen exact examples yet on this page, but she does prophesize that Shadow will ask her to spend the night before all this is over, which of course right now seems unlikely, but we'll keep an eye on it. And um, there's definitely a theme of prophecy going through the novel. When we meet the Zorias a little bit later, we'll get a little bit of that, and here and there there's there's bits of prophecy and bits of prophecies coming true, and we can talk about that more as we move forward. It's also a bit early to be talking about this, but I'm going to jump ahead just a wee bit. The coin that Shadow had and gave to Laura is meant to represent the sun, and even that too is a opposite to Shadow with the last name Moon. And in Greek mythology, Apollo was the god of the sun, and one of the various things he was known for was the oracle at Delphi. Also interesting, to me at least, was Delphi's original name was Pytho. Pytho comes from the word puthin, which supposedly means the rotting. The area got the name supposedly because of the smell of decomposing corpse of Python, a giant snake slain by Apollo. So I think this all means that Neil is setting Laura up as a sort of oracle, though I could be reaching very, very far up my own ass to come up with this, and I especially don't remember if this particular prophecy comes to pass by the end of the story. It seems like something I should remember, but I I, I don't. Laura leaves, the desk clerk barely looks up from his book. Shadow crosses the hall and knocks on Wednesday's door because he's probably pretty freaked out at this point, and... Just the, the speed at which things happen, it's it's one of the first times Shadow's shown any real emotion so far in the book, although I guess we don't really see it on this page. These moments of emotion that he does have, though, are typically centered around Laura. Um, the most recent strong emotion I can think of that he had and displayed was, well, he didn't display it, but uh, the anger he had when Wednesday gave Shadow his condolences for Laura's death on the plane. I just realized I haven't really been tracking those moments where he actually shows his emotions. Hmm, I think that's the only one, but if there's one I've missed, you can get in touch at theworldbeyondthetale at gmail.com or on Twitter at worldbeyondpod. I'd like to thank Julian Granganage for his version of St. James Infirmary Blues, which we use as our theme song. And I'd like to say thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another page, and remember, only the gods are real.